This show is produced by the Brennis Female Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Mungi. Welcome to the Everyday Ubuntu Podcast. Ubuntu is known as Africa's gift to the world. It's the philosophy that highlights our common humanity and the idea that we are all interconnected. Social justice is in my genes, with my family being very active in the fight to end apartheid, and my grandfather, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, heading up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. This show is about what we can learn from the human experience when we realize we are interconnected and acknowledge each other's point of view. The Ubuntu way of life has brought my life so much value and learning, and I hope it can bring you the same. If you liked today's episode, hit subscribe, give the show a review, and join me as I talk to amazingly inspiring guests who are on a similar journey, fighting for justice and learning along the way. Today, my guest is Jack Collison, a football coach, a former professional footballer, and when I say football, I mean the real football. Jack has played for West Ham United, where he made 121 appearances and was named their Young Player of the Year in 2009 at the age of 20. He also played for the Welsh national team, Bournemouth and Peterborough United. He started the Jack Collison Soccer School to both inspire and provide professional coaching at the grassroots level. He is now the under-17 head coach at Atlanta United and also my cousin. Hi, I'm Jack Collison, current youth coach at Atlanta United and ex-Premier League footballer. Ooh. Hi, Jack. Welcome <laughs> to Everyday Ubuntu. Thank you for sitting down with me. Um, but what I want to start out with is I think it's always more interesting to hear people describe themselves. So could you give us a brief description of who you are? Yeah, really, really good question, actually. <laughs> I suppose first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a father to be- two beautiful girls uh, and a husband. And then I suppose it's, it's probably best I start at the very beginning because... Um, Ever since I can remember, I was a, a strange kid who kind of fell in love with football. Um, and I suppose football's been the, the ever-present in my life ever since. Um, as a youngster, I was one of the many thousands, millions of kids who had the dream of playing playing in the Premier League. Something I worked really hard towards and then uh, actually realised my dream. So I got to, <laughs> yeah, got to play in the Premier League and represent my country, which was fantastic and then uh, unfortunately I had to retire just as you sort of come into my prime at 26 um, which was very disappointing but it's one of them things and now I'm uh, currently a youth coach after reaching a bit of a crossroads I suppose in terms of did I want to stay in the game or did I not and, and thankfully that obsession and that real love for the game is, is still there still burning bright and now I'm aspiring to be the best coach I can be. I, th- I think what I'd love to know is what are the things you learned early on from playing football and being part of a team from so young? Uh, the, the great thing for me which I found is uh, football has so many parallels with, with life, um, something which I'll probably go into more detail as we get further down into <laughs> the interview, but I think it's great to be able to share wonderful experiences within a team, to, to be able to work within a team. and. Quite often when you talk about football, there's a real thought just about the, the guys and girls who are playing. But yeah, I was very fortunate um, being at a club like West Ham. Uh, it's really unique. And in terms of the team, it's, it's not just the 11 people you see on the pitch every weekend. It's the backroom staff. It's the kitchen staff. It's, it's the people working at the stadium. And over time, they become like family. And 
these are the people who welcome in all the, all the new players. I mean, some of them have been there 40, 50 years and you could see what, what it meant to them when you, when you get that success and you're able to share it with a team, not just as an individual. And for me, a great example is when we got promoted from the Championship back to the back to the Premier League in 2012 and not just the players but you, you step back and you see what it means to all the staff working so hard tirelessly day in day out to to be able to get them 11 players on the pitch every day it's, it's great to be part of something like that and as I said it's, it's wonderful to be able to share them great experiences with other people. I didn't even think about people having worked there like their entire lives because all, all you think about is the is the footballers like that's it's the footballers and the managers. It's, it's, it's unbelievable really I mean even you go back now you've got Shirley in the kitchen who's been there 40 <laughs> plus years. You've got, you've got Shout out to Shirley. <laughs> you've got Pete the kit man who's, who's similar who's been there 40 plus years and all these guys live and bleed the club and they're so important, especially to the new players who come in, the players who come in from overseas, and in terms of giving them an idea of, of what it really means to put the shirt on and represent West Ham and be a part of a team. These these guys are so important. Okay, so then another question I have is, I obviously know you personally, so I think that you're very grounded and humble, especially knowing how huge you are to not only people in the UK, but also just like football players in general. Um, but also, you know, you came into money so young because of like what the football culture is. And I want to know how did you like remain that person that you are? Um, firstly, thank you very much. <laughs> I, I didn't pay you to say that. No, no I appreciate it. Um, I think I was very fortunate um, in terms of football being a constant throughout my life. I, I kind of had the same network of friends and, and close family members. and they were there to, to keep me grounded all the way throughout and the same group of friends I had at eight, nine years old were, were still the ones supporting me when I was playing in the, in the Premier League and, and first started to earn that money and it was great for me because a lot of them were at university and things mm -hmm. like that and I was just getting a taste of, of sort of earning that money and being able to experience different things in life and I think the biggest positive and the busy, biggest perk of that is obviously being able to treat the people who are closest to me and as I said, growing up with them from eight, nine, ten years old, and the biggest compliment I can probably give them guys is nothing changed. They still it still took the mickey out of me just as bad as it as it did at sort of twelve, thirteen years old. And even now, going through all the good times with them was great, but then having to retire and and I mean even moving overseas, they're still so close to me now, and it's still the same network of friends at, at thirty one years old that I was close to at eight, nine years old. So. A lot of it is down to them guys and obviously the wider network and in terms of my family and, and having quite a quite a lively mum who, <laughs> who wouldn't let me get above my station was, was obviously massive in me growing up and, and giving me that, that good grounding and I suppose good morals not to get too high and above yourself when you're high and, and try not get too low when you're down. Also for my American listeners, taking the mickey is like teasing, making fun of. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm slowly learning the lingo. We're getting there slowly. No, it's, I mean, you know, we we love to watch like UK TV shows, so it's fine. <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned in your you know your sort of like description of yourself that I asked for the the retirement that came at 26, right? So, what do you do when you have to retire from something that you love at such a young age because of something so difficult like injury? Um, it's it's real mixed emotions. Um, 
look, I, I remember being four or five years old and just having that dream of, of playing in big stadiums and in front of big crowds against the best players in the world. I spent hours every day in my garden practicing goals and moves and my celebrations and then to finally get to do it, it's, it's incredible, it's the, it's the best job ever and, and some of them intense highs and that, them intense feelings are just, they'll live with me forever. So to have it taken away is, uh, is obviously a big blow, I mean it's one of them, I fought so hard against it, I, I tried everything to get back playing but it come to a point where enough was enough, I was living on my ice machine, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't very good at football anymore and it was really getting me down. Um, so then, then I come to the crossroads, what's, what's next for me? Um, and it was one of them, sit and feel sorry for myself or, or kind of use it as, as motivation and, and inspiration to, to sort of focus on that next goal. And I jumped into coaching straight away and, and thankfully I fell in love with that. And that's the thing now that gets me up early in the morning. That's the thing that makes me go to bed late at night watching videos of football or, or reading books and, and trying to be the very best that I can be at that. And, I suppose the fact that I had to retire so young means I'm five years further on in my coaching journey and, and if I had a full career playing, would I be would I be as motivated to try and be the best coach I could be? Probably not. So the fact I had to retire is, is what's sort of fueling that fire within and pushing me to to be a bit obsessive now and, and try and be a great coach. Well, you kind of answered my next question, but you know, I, I, I want listeners to know that you then went on to create the Jack Claws in Soccer School. And so what would you say inspired you to do that? Obviously learning that you loved yeah. coaching. I mean, this is this is great. The, the Jack Collis in Soccer School gives me so much pride. And um, I've been around professional football for, well, since nine years old, I was in an academy and in that system. and. I've been around the professional environment all the way up. I mean, I mean, I still am now. Um, and sometimes you can get bogged down a little bit in the politics, and, mm -hmm. and there's there's certainly a darker side to the game that not everyone gets to see. And I mean, I've spoke very passionately already. I I, <laughs> I love the game. I, I'm in love with the game of football, and to be able to sort of step away from the politics and and maybe the mess and and some of the stuff of the professional level and, and go back to the grassroots, the kid that I was running around and just enjoying the game. Now to be in an op uh, a position to give opportunities to the youngsters was just too good and, and too great not to do something with it and to see it start up and then to see it really grow and, and for me now I, I don't like to go back to coach, I, I don't enjoy coaching, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather just join in with the kids and have fun and just watch them play with a smile on their face and it's funny watching them, it's, it's almost looking back 25 years seeing myself in a football show and just falling in love with that football. So it's something I'm really proud of and, and something I'm excited to watch continue to grow and it's been amazing to be able to offer some real unique experiences to some of these grassroots Sunday league players who, who wouldn't get the opportunity to meet a Premier League footballer. I mean, we've had mm -hmm. Olympic gold medalists down to the soccer school. We've been involved with charity events. So a lot of the stuff that we've been able to, to bring to these kids is, is made me really proud. So you've mentioned, you know, friends and family helping you in, in, in moments like having to retire. But would you say there's sort of a quote or a phrase or a mantra that has sustained you in tough moments? Obviously, you know that like I think Ubuntu is a great thing for 
every part of life, um, but is there something that you sort of look to to help you in tough moments? Yeah, there's, uh, I'm very cheesy. I love <laughs> I love all the quotes and, and all the books, and I, I love all of it. I, I take a lot of inspiration from that stuff, but the question was great because it, it really sort of made me look a little bit deeper, and I suppose the biggest thing for me, I try and live my life and a lot of my thought process is around three sort of words that I feel describe me and, and go into my decision making which I'll describe in a bit more depth but I mean the three words for me are, are fearless, relentless and honest and Ooh. yeah it, I mean if I break it down being fearless um, is massive for me I like risk takers um, I like taking risks myself and Probably a good example of that is actually moving the other side of the world to, to take a job at Atlanta United. Um, I've been at West Ham over 10 years as a player and a coach and for me I just felt I was getting a little bit comfortable. I probably could have sat in the role for ages and I felt I needed to go out and, and earn my stripes and experience a different culture and that thought process of is it being fearless, staying there and being comfortable or, or does the decision, is the decision bigger than that, do I need to sort of step away? So. That's probably a, a good example of that. Um, relentless, I love the word. <laughs> I love it. I am relentless with, with with things that really capture me. And, and at the moment, it's, as I said, it's about being, being a good coach. So trying to be relentless in the pursuit of perfection, will we get there? No, probably not. But, but aiming for it every single day and, and waking up and, and trying to make my sessions good and trying to be good for the kids and trying to help them. And, and just not doing anything half-hearted, so trying to be relentless in everything is is massive for me. Mm -hmm. um, and probably the biggest one is is the honesty. The, the honesty factor is massive. Um, I need to be able to look myself in the mirror at night um, mm -hmm. and making sure I'm making the right decisions. And also, I understand I'm in a very powerful position. Um, maybe not job title-wise, but I mean, the 20 kids I'm working with now, I, I hold their future in my hands. So being able to have the tough conversations with them and to tell them if they need to be doing more or maybe they might be struggling with this pathway to, to try and look further and beyond is, is really important. And having them tough conversations is something I've really struggled with. But as I'm getting older and, and obviously improving and maturing slightly, <laughs> I think being able to have them tough conversations and, and having that honesty with the kids is, is massive, especially in the role that I play. Yeah, and you, you know, I so I know a, a tough moment that you've had that I think that you get asked about a lot in interviews, but I still don't think um, we have a lot of conversations just in general in the world is that you lost your father while you were playing and he was on the way to watch your match and I wonder how you deal with the trauma of losing a parent. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's funny now I'm getting older and obviously it was, uh, I mean, it was 11 years ago now. It, I've been able to, I suppose, look back and, and take it all in and kind of assess the situation a little bit more. Um, and where it happened so sudden, obviously we didn't have any time to prepare for it. I suppose you can never be fully prepared for a death, but mm -hmm. whereas you said he's on the way to watch me play a match and next thing he's he's not here anymore. It was a it was a, a real big hit and it, it probably took a while for me to, to really get my head around it. I was, I suppose once it happened, I was 
kind of the head of the family, so I was there to try and take care of everyone and make sure my brothers and sisters and mum and everyone's sort of okay. And I think where I was really lucky at the time, I had football as a release. Mm -hmm. So whilst I'm off the pitch, uh, dealing with all the sadness and making sure everyone else is okay, but as soon as I step over that white line, whether it's training, whether it's a game, I could just lose myself and, and kind of forget about everything that was going on. Which was which was massive for me at the time, um, and and being able to go out there and just forget about things and and do what you love is massive. And obviously, a couple of years later, I had to retire, um, which was obviously difficult. But I probably realised at the time that I didn't actually properly grieve for my dad um, during the initial sort of process. Um, and a big thing for me was actually <laughs> I went to see an angel therapist, Ooh. yeah, called Gainer, who was to try and help me with my knee. Um, but I actually spent more time crying about, <laughs> about sort of dealing with my dad and overcoming that. And I mean, I never actually got back to playing, but she helped me massively in terms of the grieving process and sort of being able to not say goodbye, but to kind of sort of step past it and, and focus more on the future rather than just trying to put it to one side. Cause I'm not the sort of person who would talk about his feelings often and I, I hate being viewed as weak uh -huh. I, I hate people sort of feeling sorry for me so I never spent the time to, to sort of talk to talk to anyone or really open up so having someone completely different and and sort of in gainer was was massive for me and I managed to sort of overcome it and I mean now managed to look back and uh, sort of spend more time laughing about some of the situations rather than letting it get me down too much but as I said football was a wonderful release at the time um, but it didn't really allow me to grieve and having that, that extended period and, and now going into a completely different role from being a player to a coach it's, it's gave me a chance to I suppose I said it's my whole life and where I'm at and, and what's important and, and that sort of period away was, was massive for me and, and sort of where I'm at. It makes me think of um the Ubuntu lesson about, you know, acknowledging reality, even though it can be like very painful. Yeah. And so that may not happen right away and it can take time, but like at some point you have to, because otherwise these things catch up to us. Oh, a hundred percent. And I'm sure it f affected me a lot more than I probably felt it did at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm, sh I'm sure there was days where I was probably moody for no reason. And Probably the biggest thing, I, I was dealing with a, a long-term injury at the same time. I'd, I'd missed 40 months out playing with an operation, had a young family and just things like that. And, and you can kind of get lost in everything, can't you? And, and I suppose, as you said, being able to actually really sort of deal with a situation, accept it for what it is and, and then kind of have a more positive outlook on things was, was massive for me. And as you said, that's a, a fantastic lesson and I kind of found my release by talking to an angel therapist called Kena. <laughs> <laughs> we've, you know, we've talked about how you've sort of moved into a new role since retiring and coaching is very important to you. You, you know, whenever you come over here, we hang out with you, you're always talking about the kids. And so what are the lessons that you, you try to teach the kids that you work with now? Um, yeah, great, great question. Um, I, it's, as I said, there's so many parallels between football and, and life, and a lot of the lessons we're we're trying to teach them relate to, to sort of life lessons at the, at the same time. Um, and the biggest one 
that I've sort of come to realise now where I've been in the coaching game sort of five, six years is the saying that, that good good people make good footballers is is completely true and we're trying to create good people at the end of the day. I mean the, the statistics are scary, especially in England, um, thousands of kids in academies and less than half a percent will, will play in the Premier League. Wow. So really, we, you might be looking at one or two kids within your group to actually, right, they're going to go on, they're, they're going to be really proud of them because they're going to go and have a great career playing football, they're, they're going to get lots of accolades, make lots of money. But then it's about the other 17, 18, okay, we want them to be good players, yes, we want them to be able to play the game well, but at the end of the day, we need to be making sure that they're good people at the same time, they've got good habits, they're accountable, they're responsible, because when it comes being able to, to translate across that into life and to make sure they're on time at their job, to make sure they're well presented, to make sure, as I said, I keep coming back to it, they're, they're just being good people will help them get on in life. Mm -hmm. um, and the great thing over here, that education and football is, is so closely linked that from being a good footballer as well, they're getting great opportunities to go into education in terms of scholarships and possibly saving their their families thousands and thousands of pounds from from being good at football and also getting the opportunity to have that education. Mm -hmm. Would you say that there's there's something from the culture that you learned at West Ham or any of the other clubs that you played for that you want to instill in Atlanta United? You know, when you end up going off and moving on. Yeah, definitely. I I always think a, a, a team will reflect the coach, will mirror the coach or mirror the leader. I think if a team's late, if they're loose around the pitch, if they're sloppy, if they're leaving rubbish, if they're leaving the changing room in a mess, I think it mirrors the coach and it really boils down to the small details. So making sure we leave our changing room tidy, making sure everyone's in the right kit, um, making sure when we train, we train hard. Mm -hmm. We train hard, we're working hard, and we're trying to be the best we can be every single day. And I think if, if we go with that approach and that mentality, the kids will maximize their potential because the biggest, the biggest probably disappointment is seeing kids with bags and bags of potential not quite maximizing what they got. So for me, it's, it's, it's making sure that you're working every day to your absolute maximum. And hopefully that will that will push some of them on and as I said some of them will go on and make careers and hopefully when I look back in another five ten years some of these boys I'm working with now will be playing in the first team or CEOs or managers and a lot of the stuff that maybe not a lot of the stuff even if they've taken one thing from me this year that is is something positive and something they can use I like that and also nobody likes a litter bug so you know <laughs> that's also important yeah we're trying we're trying out here <laughs> Um, who who have been your mentors and, and what are the things that they've taught you? I've been so lucky, Mungi. I mean, I've, I've worked with some incredible people. Um, and for me, I, I'm someone who, who tries to take the best bits, the bits that I like. Um, and I'll give you some examples. I mean, I, I worked with Sam Allardyce, he was my manager at West Ham. And, when you talk about attention to detail and the small details and, and just being spot on with everything, whether it's nutrition, whether it's the colour of the walls in the gym, whether it's going into the game knowing exactly who you're playing against and, and the expectations, his attention to detail was incredible. Um, and I can move on to other people. I mean, for me, Eddie Howe um, just made you feel 
a million dollars, you'd go into a meeting with him, you'd come out and you'd feel 10 foot tall. And having the ability to to make someone feel like that is something I, I took from him and would look at him and, and try and input it into my own game. And probably the biggest one for me that I looked to was um, Gianfranco Zola. So one of the greatest players to ever play in the Premier League. One of my heroes, one of my idols, and um, he came in to manage West Ham. Mm-hmm. And obviously we were really excited, especially me growing up, seeing him play. And probably the biggest compliment I can give him, he was one of the best players to, to ever play the game. And the fact that he was a, a better person than he was a player is, is kind of, says a lot about him as a man. Being able to remain humble whilst you've had all these accolades and um, creating good relationships with people, knowing everyone's name, um, taking an interest not just in you as a footballer but in you as a person. So wanting to know about your family, about your kids, and then just taking time after a session maybe to to just sit there and talk to you. It's it's unheard of um, with a lot of coaches. So to see someone like that with this big big career and and sort of big stature to come in and to see him be like that is something that sort of really stayed with me and I suppose now where I played in the Premier League and and working in youth football at times people can maybe be a bit like oh what's he going to be like and (laughs) I just I just try and be me I try and be honest with them and and one of the biggest things I'll take is um, one of my old managers said sometimes the session doesn't matter sometimes the most important bit is that five minute walk from the changing room out to the pitch where you might be able to affect someone for the rest of the day well with that you know I would say that I'm I'm sure your kids don't only see you as their as their coach but also as a mentor and so how have how has COVID affected how how you teach them obviously you you know you couldn't be with them in person but you obviously want to continue teaching them these lessons that you've been teaching them some of them were probably happy. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them were probably happy for a break. Um, no, do you know what? It, obviously, it's been disappointing not being able to be out on the pitch with them and be out there doing what we all enjoy because we all love kicking a ball about and, mm-hmm. and playing games and, and training. But probably the biggest bonus and the biggest positive that I'll take out of it, I'm so much closer to these boys in terms of probably understanding them even more now as people because I spent a lot of time having one-on-ones with them, having Zoom calls, having FaceTimes. Um, And the biggest thing that I've learned is sometimes there's so much focus on football we can forget about some of the other stuff. So being able to set them different assignments, something about their family or something around a completely different sport. I mean, we're talking about the All Blacks and just seeing some of their answers, what they come up with and, and how they might take something and run with it. It's gave me a real good insight into them as people mm-hmm. um, and also the ones who might struggle learning, things like that. I'm, I'm chucking all this information at them and they might not be taking it in because actually they're struggling to learn. So being able to, to build better relationships with them on an individual basis has been great. Um, but don't get me wrong, it's been so great to get back on the pitch with them. <laughs> Um, would you say there's a book that you, you've read recently or just in general that really resonates with you? I mean, I've seen a, I've seen a few on your Instagram story, so. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's something I'm taking quite serious now as I'm, as I'm maturing. I, I love reading and, um, I love learning about different cultures and, and different sports as well. And, and 
in particular when different cultures can can link with sports and I must say I know I'm biased okay but your book was fantastic oh my god I wasn't even asking you to say that but thank you <laughs> but it's great for me that the, the lessons they can be linked to the game the lessons can also be linked to life and and it's fantastic to to sort of see that and it's, it's funny because it links with, with probably the other book that I've been reading and we've been doing a book club with my under-17s, which some of them probably love and, and some of them probably hate, but we've been, uh, <laughs> we've been reading Legacy by James Kerr and it's 15 life lessons from the All Blacks. So it's linked with obviously all the history, all the Maori stuff and, and then just linking it to life. And, and obviously it's great for them because the All Blacks are the most successful sports team ever. Uh, mm-hmm. win, win ratio is the, the greatest out of anyone so hopefully it's not too boring because it's sports team they're still learning a little bit about life and they might realize it later and, and for me it's fantastic because it, it's great for leadership and there's loads of little things that I've, I've taken from it that I've been inputting over the last sort of year or so that maybe they're starting to realize because they're actually reading about it now <laughs> would you say that there's you know um a piece of advice that you've received that's like the best advice that you would share with my listeners and also something that I know that you coach young men but like also would be good for young women because as you said you're raising two little girls my cute little nieces (laughs) so is there a piece of advice that you have that would maybe apply to everyone yeah this is I mean I could I could uh, ramble on for quite a while here (laughs) There's, there's probably Probably two bits that really stand out to me. I mean, I've spoke about the hard work and being relentless, and that's something that's really important to me. Um, and something I've found that if you work hard, I mean, the harder you work, the luckier you get is, is a real good one. Um, mm. And I think hard work, there's, there's no substitute for hard work, and it's whatever you want to do. If you want to be the best window cleaner, you need to be out there cleaning windows all day. If you want to be the best footballer, you've got to be out there training every day. So hard work's a massive one. Um, and actually this question was great because I, I really sort of took time to think about it and it takes me back to when I was playing and, and Teddy Sheringham, I mean any soccer fans will know who Teddy Sheringham is, won the Champions League, England international, incredible player. Um, and I was coming through at West Ham and he was in the team at the time and I'm lucky enough to spend a bit of time with him and I remember him just saying, just enjoy it, just enjoy every single moment because it's gone in a flash. And that's something that really sort of stayed with me and, and definitely through the good times it was like right let's make sure we enjoy it yeah we're not taking uh taking the mickey <laughs> what are we saying what's <laughs> uh teasing yes we're not we're not we're not taking liberties we're but we're enjoying it at the same time they it's, also don't say taking liberties okay. but uh, yes we understand <laughs> so it's it's important to enjoy the good times in whatever you do whether it's a job and you're enjoying your job enjoy it whether you're playing a game enjoy it and it's an out it's an outlook that I have on life and, and something that's I think stood me in good stead so far and I think it's even more relevant now during the, during the COVID during the pandemic mm-hmm. we've seen how quick things can change and all of a sudden that the whole world is completely changed so it's really important that yes you've got to be serious yes you've got to be focused but at the same time if something's going well why not enjoy it celebrate things I agree with that um, okay, so this is one of my favorite questions. What is your greatest fear for humanity and what kind of things are you doing to practice, you know, to stop that fear from coming to pass? Now, I have to go, this is a really deep question. And <laughs> it's great. 
I had to, I had to really think about this and <laughs> I could have gone a lot of ways with it I suppose but <laughs> for me looking around at a lot of the people in, in real positions of power right now, it, positions of power right now it's actually quite scary, the, the world could come to an end mm-hmm. and for me now it, it might seem very small and minuscule but I get the opportunity to affect 20, 25 kids every single day and it comes back around again trying to create good people, good morals, good ethics who are going to go out there and maybe they're affecting another 10, 15 people and so on and having that knock on effect and just trying to do my bit to, to make sure people are aware of what's going on, to to try and instill the right morals and the right work ethic, etc. Because, as you said, some of these idiots in charge and in real positions of power now, it's really scary. And it's not just in the US, it's over in the UK, it's, mm-hmm. it's in Korea. And it's quite scary, actually, when you sit back and look about it. So hopefully, by me affecting some of these youngsters you never know one of them might go on to be in a real position of power where you can actually affect things and and maybe one life lesson that he's learnt along the way or she's learnt along the way will will really give them a i don't know an opportunity to to spread the word and have a a really big effect Mm -hmm. so then what would you say is your greatest hope for humanity i would say just it ties in with the last question and the last last answer i just think people being a bit more harmonious and a bit more open and I'll, uh, it's probably best if I relate to me. I, I love exploring, I love traveling, and I have done nowhere near enough. I want to go to Brazil, I want to go to South Africa, and the way it's going, people seem to be, be shutting off and, and trying to close things down and, and keep certain people with certain people, etc. But for me, the, the biggest thing is, is being able to go out there and explore and, and try new cultures and and see different things. And I, I suppose the only way I can help this and affect it at the moment is I'm in a wonderful position at a wonderful club. Mm. If I can give someone the opportunity to come in and, and get an opportunity to see what it's like at Atlanta United, or if I can have someone come over from the UK and, and show them what it's like in America, for me, that's me giving someone a real opportunity and a life experience. And I'll be very thankful if I get a chance to go to South Africa, if I get a chance to go to Brazil and just really explore and and see see what the world's like. It's, it's, I've I've experienced a lot, but nowhere near enough. And there's so much that I want to see. And I just hope that people are open and and give me the opportunity to go out there and, and really explore and, and to make some good connections elsewhere. I mean, I think people who play sports can, on an international level, can be sort of ambassadors and are ambassadors. So that's that's what I would consider you. Uh, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, definitely. I, I look. I don't. I don't take it for granted. I've, I've not got a platform like Messi or Ronaldo, but I understand that I've, I've got a platform and a, a social responsibility. So for me, it's important, obviously, trying to spread good messages and, and good vibes and obviously anything that I can do to, to have a small effect. It might be one person I affect, but at the end of the day, if, if it makes a big difference in that person's life, then it's, it's worthwhile me trying to do it and continuing to try and do it. Well, Jack... Thank you very much for coming on Everyday Ubuntu Podcast, cuz I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. It was an honor, and I, I know I'm being very biased, um, but you, the questions and the way you made me think about things was was great, so thanks very much for giving me a chance to, 
to reflect a little bit. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. And don't forget to hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Follow me at mungi.ingomane on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback on the show. I'll be back in a week with a new episode. Thank you for listening to Everyday Ubuntu.